So I'm 25 minutes into the show and I realized that I didn't hook up the master link. Boy, I had a dialogue and everything. So I was, I was, I'm a little, I'm, I'm a little burnt out this morning. I'm just being straight up and honest. I had a very busy day yesterday. Of course, did the show in the morning, which I thought was pretty good. I thought it was a pretty good show. And, uh, you know, working throughout the day, readings. And then I did a marathon, three and a half hour interview with Nish, uh, which will, will air on the Friday forecast. And it's a really good interview. I, so we get to find out a lot more about Nish. I play some of her music. And it was, it was a two-part interview because I had to leave at a certain point. We were an hour and a half into the interview. It was going great. And um, I had a, had a client who's making a huge move from California to Pennsylvania because they wanted to get out of California. And they were coming through Texas. So uh, they wanted to, uh, wanted to meet me, right? So I did that. And very nice person, super into astrology and very independent spirit. And she just wanted out of California and she works in the tech sector, can work at home. And she's relocated to the Poconos in Pennsylvania. So if we have any Poconites, feel free to uh, reach out to me. I'm sure she wouldn't mind connecting with some kindred spirits. Then I came back and I did the interview with Nish, which I think went on for another two hours. It's an epic interview. And we cover her life and we cover, you know, what's going on in the world today. And, you know, Nish is a really interesting person. And I, I kept trying to, you know, when I, when I talk with somebody and do an interview with someone, I, tr I try to you know, tune into their essence. And I've, and I've already done that with her because we've had a number of interviews and mostly me on, on her podcast. Um, and, and I think I first connected with Nish on the Knox Mente show. That's what happened. And um, I didn't really know her and I think I knew Jerry a little, Jerry Avalan, also known as Luciferus. And, and I remember my, my experience, my first experience with Nish was like, wow, this person's really interesting. And it wasn't really anything she said, although she does say some interesting things, don't get me wrong. It was more of the space. Like I think of Nish as a space. She's clearly a person, but she's a space. She's like a space under herself. And one of the things that I, I really love about Nish is she has a high degree of unconditionality. Now that doesn't mean she's somebody that doesn't have any boundaries or borders or isn't some kind of you know, spineless jellyfish um, because she does. You know, when I follow her on Twitter and she's got some very strong opinions about certain things. We talked about that. We talked about the, the emergence of the political character in all of our lives. Because I think of Nish as an artist and not somebody who is necessarily political, but 
we've all been forced to be political in some ways with the way that the world is being sculpted, which we, we would call the hidden hand. And I apologize for not having the sound together, but I was just, you know, yesterday was a marathon day and I got another marathon day ahead of me with uh, three, three clients today, including the big everything region towards the end of the day. So I got to take my vitamins. Speaking of vitamins, I already talked about it once. I'll talk about it again. Today's show is brought to you by True Hemp Science and welcome to the, uh, to the old podcast here podcast and live stream. True Hemp Science is a high quality CBD product that is uh, crafted and curated and packaged and sold by my friend Christopher Lynch, who is an entrepreneur and business owner in Austin. And he is very engaged in getting people to feel better, right? Feel better, get better. And that's what uh, his hemp, which is very high in terpenes, you can you can taste the product. For some people, it's a little bit much. For other people, it's like they know that they're they're getting they're getting the gritty, as they say in the hood. They're getting the gritty. It's and when I say gritty, it's not gritty. It's of course it's you know, it's refined and everything, but you're getting the pungent procurement of CBD. Um, and if you click on the link down here at the bottom, right there, truehempscience.com slash backslash ref backslash 23, and you buy $100 worth of True Hemp Science product, you enter in 15 mins, one five mins capital, you get $20 worth of free product on top of that. And it's working really well. Chris has told me that there's been a lot of interest in um, in his product. By the way, I've said hi to all of you already. You just didn't hear it. So I'm not going to repeat my hi. Thank you for the update on the dark. I don't, I don't know what's going on with dark journalist. But yeah, I did do a parody on him. Darker journalist. Like he was into this whole like Project X, X thing. And uh, yeah, I did a little bit of a parody on him. It was back when I was drinking. I think I was a little more bitter and satirical back then. Now I'm a little less bitter and a little less satirical, though I do have my satirical moments. I had a client one time who knew dark journalists and went to high school with him. This was in Massachusetts. I think dark journalists and Nish would get along. From what I could tell, dark journalist was very into the dark side when he was in high school. He apparently was some kind of a, um, you know, a goth kid and uh, would go from Massachusetts to these, you know, goth parties in New York on the weekends. And whoever his producer is, the, the woman, I don't know her name, but they went to high school together in Massachusetts and they ran with the same crowd. And I, and I, and I think the dark journalist at the very least in the beginning, I don't know if he still is now, but I feel like he's being uh, supported by Catherine Austin Fitz. I think she got him going. And you just have to look at how many times she's been on a show and uh, how many times Joe Farrell's been on a show. And Joe Farrell and Car Catherine Austin Fitz are, you know, kind of hand in glovey, right? 
So who knows? He's probably making enough money on his own where he doesn't need to be supported. But I think she helped launch him, by the way. All right, waiting for the coffee to kick in and beat the shit out of my uh, adrenal glands. But I do have, you know, I have powered coffee. I've got maca in there. What else do I have? Um, MCT oil. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, what else do I have? Uh, a bunch of stuff. Cinnamon. I don't put sugar in there. I got hit to the sugar trip. That's why I've lost so much weight. I just got rid of sugar. And when, you know, it takes a little, takes a little time to get used to it. But once you do, it's a major improvement in one's life. So welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Looks like I'm going to play the opening track at the end of today's show. Uh, title of today's show is The Hidden Hand. I've got a little picture there of Elon Musk and his mother, May. Uh, and uh, Steve put a comment in the chat. See, I was reading the chat, which is how I found out that you can't hear me. Uh, which was um, Elon. I thought Elon Musk was born via parthenogenesis. Yeah, I think that's how the sons of Japheth were born. Is Elon Musk a son of Japheth? Question mark. I don't know. But the picture here on the homepage is him with his mother, May, and they were at the Met Gala where the theme was wasn't quite Victorian America at the Met Gala, but it was essentially that post-Victorian period leaning into the 20th century. Are they making a commentary on Tartaria? Is that what that's about? Nish and I were going to look at these photos from Vogue, but we just got too far into what we were talking about. And uh, we were going to, we were going to look at some of the fashions and it, it it's, they, they chose a particular period and theme for that Met Gala opening. And it has, and it's specifically a period of time you know, like the cusp of the 19th and the 20th century. And it's interesting because, you know, we, we're all abuzz with Tartaria. Well, not all of us, but a lot of us are. I have, I have some interesting news from Tartaria world. Apparently, Martin Leake is in hot water. I don't know how many of you follow Flat Earth British, but... Uh, Martin recently did a tour of, I, I think mostly England, right? Did he get up to Scotland? I know he's in Wales because Martin lives in Wales. And he did a tour. He had, he had footage of his tour on YouTube and it was like, didn't look very fun, but that's just me. I have, I have a different idea of what fun is. Uh, and he had a conference with people talking about flat earth and Tartaria and all these things. 
And apparently there was a woman who was a speaker on the tour and the conference who claims that uh, Martin violated her against her will. this um martin violated her against her will and martin has not put up a video since then now i don't know if this is true or not but it's out there it's in the community and apparently another kind of major Quake happened in the Tartarian community where there was a guy, I think it's called what, Ewar or Ewarnon or something like that. And I believe he did five long form videos of Tartaria and extremely well produced. This, you know, high level stuff. And he, like, probably the, the, the highest level production. I remember watching these videos and man, this, this dude, whoever's doing this is like, it's a fucking major production. You know, it's not, it's not a homebrew. And uh, he just came out recently and completely dismissed the whole idea of Tartaria. He was in a bookstore somewhere and he read a book about how the churches were built. And uh, that's caused a big stir and a big ripple both of these events, big stirs and big ripples inside the Tartarian world. But if you look at the fashions from the Met Gala, it looks you know, kind of like from that period. I read this story yesterday about a guy in the early 1900s who was working on what they call the pocket phone. And he said he had figured out how to transmit uh, voice and receive messages. That's the other part, receive messages through the airwaves. This is in the 19, this isn't like the, you know, 19 teens, right? So they were working, they were absolutely working on this technology. Like how long have they had cell phones? I bet they've had cell phones for a long time. There's that scene, I think it was, is it from the Charlie Chaplin movie where there's that person walking around with that cell phone, that, that kind of a brick, like out of place. I think they've had technology for a while. Who knows what else they've had? I had a... Uh, very interesting conversation with uh, John Levi the other day. And uh, he brought up an interesting point, you know. He talked about how electricity, this whole idea of electricity, like do does electricity work the way we think it works? Or do, are they actually doing the same thing that they've always done and what they did Theoretically, back in the day, are they just pulling it out of the air still to this day and selling it to us? I was like, wow, John, that's actually pretty fucking interesting. So anyway, uh, it was good to talk with him and connect with him. And maybe he'll come on one of these days. He's got an open invitation. Let's talk about the hidden hand. 
because that's what today's show is about. And this is something that I got into with Clyde Lewis when I was back on his show last week. And he was talking about uh, Dugan as somebody who is the, uh, the symbol of the hidden hand as the political and esoteric advisor to Vladimir Putin. Now there's, there's really been no connection overtly between the two men. So a lot of people are making an assumption that he is Putin's Rasputin. Maybe, I don't know, he's written close to 30 books. He's incredibly smart. And I am going, I am going to cover his chart on Sunday night. One of the things he does have in his chart, he has Mars at Capricorn 29, which in the Sabian symbols represents a secret meeting of men you know, behind the scenes. This is the same degree that Mars was at. That's kind of interesting too, right? You have Dugan, Mars 29 Capricorn on the election in 2016, the night of the election, Mars is a 29 Capricorn. Hmm. Very interesting. But the Sabian symbol basically says, hey, look, there's a group of men who meet in secret and determine the fate of the world. I'm paraphrasing, but it's my show. I could do that. And that was going on the night of the election. I, I've talked about this before. I talked about it on David's show. I talked about it on, on um, Clyde's show. On Clyde's show, it was quite interesting because, I, you know, sometimes when you get into, or at least me, when I get into talking about certain things, all of a sudden I find myself talking about something I'd never thought about, which is really not uncommon. And most of the time it makes sense. Sometimes it doesn't make sense, but most of the time it does. And that was one of those nights where it made sense. It was like all of a sudden the puzzle pieces come together. And it has to do with where, where Pluto is right now in current astrology, which is you know, the final degrees of Capricorn. And we're gonna get to that 29th degree. We're going to hit that symbol. We're going to hit that Sabian symbol with Pluto because it's going to go retrograde. It's going to come back. I think Pluto goes back to 26. So we're going to have another crossing of the Pluto return of the United States, which should be interesting. But one of the things that, that I talked about at David's show, and, and you know, if you're following along and you're in chat, you know what I'm going to talk about is that there was a decision that was made on the night of election of the election that Donald Trump was going to become president in 2016. And all you have to do is look at Hillary Clinton. The next day, she looked like shit. She'd been up all night. She'd been crying. She was a mess, right? I think Hillary, even though she had pulled her champagne a couple of days ahead of time, I think maybe she thought that she would still win. And I think she she mailed it in. She didn't do any any of the ground game, as they called it. She completely trashed Trump and men in general. And apparently, uh, AIDS face told her to knock it off on the man because it was going to be problematic for the campaign. And uh, she didn't do that. You know, the silent majority basically putting in all those votes. We've talked about this before, right? And then Trump wakes up, you wake up the next day and I was up when I was watching the whole thing. But when they talk, you know, the first press conference when Trump 
is talking about being president. He looks shocked. He looks very shocked. And, and it's like he didn't think he was going to win. And Hillary thought she was going to win. There's that 29th degree. They were making a decision. They're like, look, we, we, can't, we can't flip this thing. Too many people came out and voted. Maybe, possibly, somebody got into the machines and blocked the machines from flipping votes. That's a real possibility, too. There was a decision that was made to put Donald Trump into office at that point in time. And I've talked about this before. When you look at the fundraiser that he did uh, with this whole Al Smith thing, which happens every year in New York City, and I watched that in real time when it was happening, and Trump, so all these donors and stuff were in the audience, and Trump just goes full napalm on them. And I'm thinking to myself, this guy is committing fucking political suicide. And you can just look in the audience, you can see all these, you know, famous, well-known people, Gail King is there, uh, Hillary's there, Whom is there, there, there's a bunch of like, those creepy European looking people with like all their little medallions and shit. Right. I've always found that thing to be really weird. <laughs> anyway, he's just, he's going full napalm. And then after, and it was, it was like one of the best stand-up routines I've ever seen. I mean, Trump was full on discordian uh, performance art. And then after it ends, he and Melania are completely alone. Nobody's really talking to either of them. And they seemed small and diminutive amongst the crowd. And everybody is talking with Hillary and Uma. Oh, Uma, oh my God, they're just like, and she's laughing and carrying on. If you, if you looked at that event, and, and said to yourself, there's no way this guy's gonna win. I mean, just, just look at how the, how the money is treating Hillary, how the elites are treating Hillary. And Trump had the feeling, and I felt sorry for Trump, actually. I'll try to find that clip for tomorrow. I don't wanna spend time trying to find it. I'll try to find it for tomorrow. We'll look at it tomorrow. Uh, it's kind of a mind blowing clip. He, he, he looks small. I felt sorry for him. It's like, oh man, this guy. And I wonder in some ways, right? Like, because we all think of Trump as being really popular and um, gregarious and very Leo Rising-like. But I wonder if that moment in that space was actually more common for him than not. Then he wins. But if you look at that event, you ask yourself which one of these two people are, people are going to win just based on that event, you put it all on Hillary. And I clearly believe the hidden hand was the one that was tapping Trump on the shoulder. Because he looked fucking shocked. He looked very surprised. Like, what? I won? What do I do now? It's like that scene in The Candidate with Robert Redford. Very good movie, by the way. If you have some time, you can find a free version of it somewhere. Maybe it's buried on Amazon. Who knows? Candidate's a good movie. And he wins. And then he's, after he wins, he says, now what? 
So we're talking about the hidden hand and it feels like it's moving now. The hidden hand is moving pieces on the chessboard. Let me show you uh, a uh, tweet that I ran across today. Now, some of you may have seen this before and some of you may not have seen it before. And once I show it to you, you can't unsee it. I'm giving you a fair warning here. But if you're listening, I will describe it to you. It is uh, a post on Twitter that shows Chuck Schumer going full lips on lips on Epstein Island with a young girl who happens to be black. And this is a full on like gross fucking kiss. And this is Chuck Schumer. And this is being released. Why is this being released? Why is this being released? Chuck Schumer kissing this child on Epstein Island. The veil has lifted. So let's look at that for a second and let's look at the events that are taking place now in the world around us. We have Elon Musk buying Twitter. Not only is Elon Musk buying Twitter, okay? And I'm not here to sing the, the chorus of praises for Elon Musk. I'm just telling you what the guy's doing. He had a post yesterday about, about Freemasons. Isn't that interesting? So Elon Musk is starting to position himself as somebody who plans on wrecking Lee Cabal, right? I mean, that's how he's being positioned now. He's supposed to be the guy that's going to bring the disinfectant to Twitter, the sunlight to Twitter. That's a term he's used. And he was never political in this way before. Elon Musk was always apolitical. He was into Elon Musk, his little projects. And all of a sudden he's been activated. And it's through Elon Musk that the hidden hand behind events is going to start to operate. Like that tweet showing up on Twitter, even though Elon Musk is not officially the president, not the president, who knows, maybe. I mean, he's kind of like almost neck and neck with Trump now in a lot of ways. You know, Trump's, Trump's act is a little bit tired, although his his uh, candidates did win last night. So J.D. Mandel, who's really J.D. Vance, J.D. Vance won in an election. And um, I think he was a congressman now. There's an election in, I think he's in Indiana. The other guy won who's in Ohio. So apparently everybody that Trump has recommended and endorsed has won their elections. I mean, it's a little bit of clout if you believe in the electoral process that is truly impartial, which obviously very few of us do. But Musk, I think, rivals Trump at this point in terms of being a disruptor. Musk is rivaling Trump as a disruptor because that's what Elon Musk is doing. He's disrupting everything. If you just look at the events over the past two weeks, starting with the proposed purchase of Twitter by Elon Musk and everything that that ignited, the beginning of the meltdown of the left, 
right? Now you have this thing that's going on with Roe v. Wade, which again feels a lot like the hidden hand. You know, the hidden hand behind the scenes that is reaching into the affairs of men and moving the political pieces of the chessboard around. And, uh, you know, the, the, the Supreme Court justices who are in favor of overturning Roe versus Wade, they're Jesuits. Talk about the hidden hand. Not only are they Jesuits, but at least one of them, Amy Coney Barrett, is what they call a dominionist. These are charismatic Christians. And, and Nish and I talk a little bit about this group. This is the group that Ted Cruz is a part of. Mike Pence is a part of them. So they're Catholics, but they're Catholics that essentially believe that you can be reborn, right? Which is a big part of, fun of fundamentalist Christianity. And that's not a big part of Catholicism, right? So they're charismatic Catholics. That's what they call themselves. And really what I think it is, it's a, it's a kind of this rebrand where there's a bigger reach. And, it, you know, I live here in Texas and I can tell you that while Catholics and Christians both share the same, you know, theoretical Judeo slash Christian principles, they, they, they look at each other very differently. Like the Christians don't really look at, they don't look well at the Catholics. You know why Catholics don't really read the Bible? They don't really read the Bible. It's not a big thing for the Catholics. Christians do. It's everything. Bible, Bible, everything. Bible this, Bible that, right? So they're, they're, it's a strange alliance between the two because they know what, you know, what they're up against. And even inside the Catholic Church, which has become absolutely satanic, I think most of the religions have been infiltrated with high-level Satanists, including charismatic Christian side of things. They're trying to find allies, right? They're trying to find allies against these crazy motherfuckers on the left. And Nish and I get into some of this. In looking at it from the bigger picture. So one of the things that um, I was talking about was last night with her was the rise of what I would call the theocracy. And it's becoming very like clear to me that there is something going on to get people and to move people into this theocratic model, whether it's officially theocratic or not. Let me show you a, a tweet that I put up. Uh, I, I retweeted last night. And um, let me see what I can do in here. Oh, where is it? There's this woman who, her, here it is right here. Her name is Candace Taylor. All right, let me just show you. This is the, this is the new political movement. So her name is Candace with a K, Taylor. 
Georgia governor candidate 2022 Christian. That's the first thing, right? Christian. This is how she's identifying. Wife, mother, Georgian, educator, working class. Boom. That's her brand. But Christian first. So what is she planning on doing? She says, I'm the only candidate bold enough to stand up to the Luciferian cabal. Elect me governor of Georgia, and I will bring the satanic regime to its knees and demolish the Georgia Guidestones. So this is one of her campaign platforms. This is her video, I guess, right? Candace Taylor will be on the Patriot Party podcast tonight. When I win my election as governor of Georgia, I will immediately call for a special session to save the lives of the unborn. Georgia will be a safe place for babies again. Let's get it done. So here she is. Where is she? Right there. Candace Taylor vows to take down Luciferian Cabal. Where is she doing this? On the Stu Peters show. And apparently uh, Stu Peters is... Um, a big Christian now. Here's her post. Did you know the Georgia Guidestones are exactly 666 aerial miles from United Nations headquarters in New York City? It's no no coincidence. They must be destroyed. Okay, so this is the new platform. This is the new platform. People like Candace Taylor. Now, that may not be a bad platform. May not be a bad platform. I'm not, I'm not, you know, trying to dis, I'm not trying to dis Candace. But I'm looking around at what's happening. And I'm trying to look at this left-right divide from a little bit of a higher perspective, okay? If I was somebody who wanted to impose a theocracy like the Dominionists, what would I do? Well, I would make the left as crazy and nuts as I possibly could. That's what I would do. In order to do that, I would inject the right with political steroids. That would be Donald Trump. So that you could agitate the left and have the left be completely rabid and insane. And then elect people who would be more than happy to groom your children and uh, rearrange their, their, their reproductive organs, right? And that stuff's real. Those people are dangerous. And I'm not here to give them a pass. I don't think Nish and I talk about this. Like they're fucking nuts. And they have a very dark agenda. And the reactive part of this is what's going on on the so-called right and what they're creating as a result of this. So then you look at what's going on with the Supreme Court and this whole Roe v. Wade thing, which looks like they're on their way to um, overturning and letting it be states' rights, which I have no problem with. But that is one of the pillars of the left. It has been from the day that it was passed. Like, this is this is inviolate. You, you, if you 
you know, change this, you're going to have hell to pay. And that's what we're going to see. And Antifa, this is another thing that I posted on Facebook or, or rather a Twitter, and I'll show you here. It's a retweet. And I talk about the astrology around this a little bit. So this is in Portland, emergency protest tonight. Stop the Supreme Court's war on women. Abortion is a right. Take to the streets. Emergency protest, Tuesday, May 3rd, 6.30 p.m., 1880, Southwest 6th Avenue, Shack at PSU. It's Portland State University, right? So now we got Antifa coming back onto the streets. coming up on summertime and they have gotten as much mileage as they can out of the whole black lives matter. So there was a guy up in, I think it was uh, Michigan, Grand Rapids, right? He wound up like trying to steal the taser from a cop, you know, complete utter moron, sorry. And then the cops wound up shooting the guy. Like, what do you expect? You go, you go to steal a taser from a cop, you're going to get shot in most cases. And that's what happened. So they, they, they put together a, a big BLM protest. Nobody showed up. You know, the, the paid actors didn't show up. So they don't, they don't have the juice for this now. And, they, and the reason why is that, they, that they've, they've, they've tapped that battery for as much as they can get. And they got a lot. So now they need a new battery and they found a new battery. It is Roe v. Wade abortion. And you're going to see Antifa hit the streets again. Now this is where it's going to be different this time. You go back two years ago, summer of Floyd. And we had Mars and Aries for a long time that year. Right. Mars and Aries was engaged. Both direct and retrograde. I think was Mars was in Aries for what, like, Five and a half months was big. It didn't go into Taurus until uh, after the election, if I'm not mistaken. And what did we see in America at that time? Streets burning, statues coming down, right? That was all Mars and Aries stuff. You're going to throw a revolution. Well, you may as well have Mars and Aries on your side. Well, here it comes again, right? This time it's going to be different, though. I can tell you that right now. This is time it's going to be different. And I don't know if the Biden administration will crack down on Antifa. You know, how effective is Antifa going to be for them during the midterms? Certainly didn't dissuade vote. I mean, look, Antifa was going off the charts in 2020. Of course, they were aided and abetted by the alphabets. That's clear. Certainly didn't hamper being able to rig an election. Didn't diminish Joe Biden's chances. Anybody looking around could say, well, these are these fucking crazy leftists and Democrats. You elect Joe Biden, this is what you're going to get. And to some extent, they were right. We're just getting it in a more refined and global package. So I don't know what they're going to do if uh, they... They call out the, the, you know, the dogs again. But I can tell you that from 
the Joe Citizen world with this version of Mars that's coming in Aries, and it hasn't been in the sky since October. We have not been able to see Mars in the sky since October. When it arrives, the end of the month, if they're doing this shit and they're on the streets, you, it, the, the, the bystanders, the people that sat at home, slack-jawed and traumatized by what was going on in the cities and the streets of America, will not, they will not have the same reaction. You will see people out on the streets. And, and I have a feeling if they go down this path and they reactivate the, the corpse of Antifa, that uh, it's going to be very different. And I'm sure that even on the other side, you'll have agent provocateurs who are egging people into taking action against Antifa. You know, this could be very explosive. So when they do something like this Roe v. Wade thing, and they have the, the leak of Roe v. Wade by this guy. And I can't even figure out how th this guy, we talked about him yesterday, Amit Jain. <laughs> J-A-I-N. This, guy, this guy's the CEO of Sequoia, uh, Indonesia, right? I mean, this is a big fucking hedge fund. Secures over $2, over $2 billion for projects and investments in that uh, Pacific Rim area with Indonesia and Malaysia and, and um, Bali and all those places. Like it's big money. This guy, he's not your, not your average toady. Went to Stanford. Um, I think he was on the board of Uber. He started rent.com. I mean, this guy is like a fucking, you know, digital, little young digital mogul, right? gets kicked out, theoretically, again, of uh, Sequoia, Indonesia. He starts law clerking for Sotomayor. Like, what is that all about? Oh, I'm just going to be a law clerk now. I'm not even sure I buy the story. Like, maybe it's the guy. But his story is just too weird, right? It's, it's just weird. And it's clear he's a capitalist because he's he's feeding at the trough of hedge fund money in all these you know virtual startups. So why why would he imperil that in some ways? It seems counterintuitive. And I'm not saying he didn't do it because there seems to be a breadcrumb with this guy through Politico and this one journalist of Politico who's gotten other stuff from him in the past, and all of a sudden he's magically showing up as a, a as a law clerk for uh, Sotomayor. I mean, maybe somebody does that if they want to get into politics and that's their pathway into politics. Maybe that's what's happening. It's part of his rebrand. I don't, I don't know. It's just weird. It's very weird. But again, it's the hidden hand, the hidden hand that is leaking information, creating disturbance, creating more of a fractious divide and conquer atmosphere. And when we get into that polarization, right? People just, people wanna be safe. If you're, not everybody is Clint Eastwood in a, a fistful of dollars who can play both sides against the middle. No, no you're, you're, nobody's, not everybody's like that person. 
you're either on the on the side of the you know bloodthirsty Mexican gang or you're on the side of the Americans who have gone into Mexico and are making a shit ton of money by selling weapons and doing all the things that theoretically you know it goes along with that package he's not part of that if you've never seen fistful of dollars it's a great movie it's a really great movie it's one of the, i think it's one of the greatest movies of all time so what do people do well they're going to they're going to say okay well i feel safe on this side this is my gang right this is my gang because people don't want to feel you don't want to be in the middle between the hatfields and the mccoys just saying, right? And then you have the other side who, you know, they believe if they rally together and protest and do all those things, that they're the ones that are going to be safe. That's their gang. So we're, we're really seeing this polarization take place. And on the right, it is deeply tied into Christianity. Deeply tied into this whole Christian thing. And when, when uh, I heard about Jeffrey Doherty having a shouting match with Stu Peters in Florida because Jeffrey Doherty wasn't Christian enough. I'm like, okay, there's something big going on here. And even a scumbag like, like um, Roger Stone, when he was being, for all intents and purposes, ruined by um, the FBI and his trial and everything, he, you know, according to him, he lost everything. And according to him, he found Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. So Roger Stone has now moved into that into that world, right? Even Roger Stone has picked a side before he described himself as a libertarian and a libertine, meaning that he's all about the freedom to do whatever the fuck he wants and swing with whoever the fuck he wants to swing with, right? That's what he was saying. And I don't think Roger Stone has changed, really. I think Roger Stone is just undercover. He, he picked a side. You know, he was somebody who was kind of in the middle, right? And this is where these things are going. And it's almost like the new Inquisition in some ways. Then you look at the Supreme Court and you see the Jesuits on the Supreme Court. And you start to do the math like, oh, okay, something's going on here. Right? And these people are these dominionists. And they, they have, I, you know, they're, they're about as close as you get to the Handmaid's Tale. And they're all creepy. I think Ted Cruz is creepy. I don't really like Ted Cruz. I never really liked Ted Cruz. It's creepy. Mike Pence is uber creepy. You just go down the list of the Dominionists. They're all fucking creepy. Amy Cuddy Barrett's creepy. So this is what's happening, right? The hidden hand is moving pieces around and bringing information out now. And, informa- and, and it's fascinating to watch, right? Because we all think that we're being herded into Klaus Schwab's, you know, WEF, the World Economic Forum, Fourth Industrial Revolution, all that. And that, by the way, is a potential for, for the reset. I've, you know, I don't, I don't think they'd have a problem moving people into a world like that. Well, you're dumb enough to follow along with it and eat bugs and yeah, sure, we'll do that, no problem. We'll, we'll ratchet up gas. You know, we'll make this electric car thing the only thing you can get, and we'll just, you know, we'll herd you into the green pen. 
And there's this other world going on with the, 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 the right now, which is also being tied into Christianity. And you, and if you're going to be in that world, it's almost like a qualifier. Even Jason Whitlock does this. Well, if you're, if you're not, if you, if you're not reading the Bible and you're not placing Jesus and God first, then I, I can only take you so seriously. It's like a qualifier. I've seen this too. This, the Fendeb guy who does the, the mud flood videos, same thing. He's talking about, um, what's his name? Uh, Hutchison. The inventor, the interesting guy, right? He thinks he's interesting, but he can only take him seriously so much because he hasn't committed to Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. This is what's going on now, this very theocratic kind of energy, right? And we're at the end of this cycle with Pluto and Capricorn, which I talk about with Nish on the show, which you'll see on Friday. And, you know, we're, we're, we're on the cusp of these ages, and the age that we're in is, you know, it's ending. But we're going to get to that 29th degree of Capricorn, which is what I've been talking about. And when that happens, the hidden hand is going to reveal itself. That is the plan. That is the plan. What do they call that? They call that the externalization of the hierarchy, which comes straight out of Alice Bailey in the Lucis Trust. The externalization of the hierarchy. They're going to externalize the hierarchy. They're going to show people who is behind the scenes. And they may show them and give them something, right? So that they feel like they're seeing it. Is that really who's behind the scenes? Or are they still going to be in front? I believe it'll be very close to who and what is behind the scenes. That's my sense. And we're kind of getting close to that point. So when you see somebody like Elon Musk go through what he's going through, not in a bad way, but he's now playing this role of disruptor. He's more disruptive than Trump right now. And it's having an effect, right? It's going through the system. And the disruptive effect is going through the system. And it's triggering people and bringing things up. And you're seeing this, this tweet with Chuck Schumer. And even the commentary around the tweet, the veils are being lifted. Well, who's lifting the veils and why? You know, is it, is it the white hats? Or is it a group that wants you to believe that that's what you're getting? And they're herding you into really the model that they ultimately want to herd you into. So this is just something to think about. And, and when I, you know, and I, I don't profess to know everything in this world, you know, one guy, and we're all pretty limited, you know, no matter, you know, how much we attune our, our, our radar to, you know, more, more subtle perturbations, right? And they could have any number of scenarios lined up. Like it could be this scenario, this scenario, this scenario, this scenario. We could move you over here into the Dominionist Nationalist, uh, you know, theocratic model, which is a model of control, right? Control is control. Really? So does it matter what the control looks like? In my humble opinion, the answer to that is no. Doesn't matter. Control is control. So I think something interesting is going on in that regard. I think we're starting to see 
that a lot of these moves are being made and done by people who are moving the chess pieces around. To what end? To liberate us? To awaken us from the slumber of our slavery? Or to do something along those lines and then create a wider gap, a more polaric um, world where you have to choose a side. And those sides have presets. And if you're in the middle, what are you going to get? You're going to get a crossfire. Right? So this is a theme we're going to stick with tomorrow. And I'm going to try to mine this a little bit. And that'll lead into uh, the three and a half hour interview with Nish, which will happen on Friday. It's a great interview. I wanted to talk a little bit about Dave Chappelle. Apparently he got uh, jumped last night. He was uh, doing a live show at the Hollywood Bowl and somebody came in and put a major hit on him. When I say hit, I'm not, I'm not talking about like a, like a mob hit, but like a defensive back hit. So I can find it. Here we go. So I guess he was filming uh, a Netflix special. And let me show you the, uh, the video. This is what, you know, Will Smith begat. If you don't like what somebody's saying, just, and I'm, I know for a fact that this is going to be big on uh, Jay Whitlock tonight. So I'll cue this up. Let me make it bigger. See if I can make it bigger. Look at that. This guy just like launches himself into Chappelle. He should have been, he should have been on an NFL's uh, an NFL team's watch list and signed as a UDFA. That guy can bring the wood. Look at that. So you know what happens? Look at the color, right? It's red. It's color of Mars. You're going to start to see a lot more red. It's even at the, the Met Gala, there was a ton of red, like Hillary Clinton was wearing red. Well, she's the lady in red, theoretically. But that was a big color. So they're they're queuing you in. They know Mars is coming and they are priming the pumps with Mars. And then I guess backstage, they fuck him up pretty badly. They break his arms, rip his tendons. They fuck him up pretty good. Security fucks him up pretty good. Now, I haven't seen this, but looks like a brother. I guess you'd call that black on black crime. Here. See that right there? 
Let's make this bigger. Can we make this bigger? Yeah, here we go. That, that guy laid it. That guy laid the wood. He brought the wood to Chappelle. The world is coming apart at the seams. You have like you have that happen. And somebody can't even get on stage. And and I don't think it was fake, by the way. That was pretty violent. That was that was not Will Smith hitting Chris Rock in the jaw with the tips of his fingers. That was a pretty Pretty brutal shot. Okay. Um, I wish I had something funny like what I what I read yesterday. You know what I'm going to do, though? I'm going to play you a video, which I think should be the soundtrack to the story yesterday about uh, our, our friend in England, who, by the way, Claire Guest told me that, that that's the myth of Osiris, which is interesting. Good catch, Claire. Um, I'm going to play a song specifically for our friend in England. All right, I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to leave you with this tune, which is, um, I'm going to listen to it though, which is a shout out to, what's his name? Malcolm? Malcolm, Malcolm in England. Yes. And uh, the song is by King Missile. You may know it. If not, enjoy it. Detachable penis.
Oh man, we got no sound. Shit. Thought I solved that shit. But now and then I go to a park. Man, the sound thing's been a fuck. I'm sorry. I thought I had solved that already. Let's play it again. You're not gonna be able to see the whole thing. Here we go. Sometimes it's a pain in the ass. I like having a detachable penis. 